By December of 1914, the Great War in Europe, what we now call World War I, had raged on for five months and had claimed almost one million lives. On December the 24th, 1914, 105 years ago, groups from both sides began to sing Silent Night as the sounds of the song reverberated up into the sky and the waves of sound went into one another's trenches. That's how close they were to one another. They stayed in their respective trenches all night long. Then, on Christmas Day, in various places across the Western Front, soldiers from both sides bravely emerged from their trenches and entered into that dangerous zone called No Man's Land. Men from both sides of the war spent Christmas Day fraternizing with one another, exchanging goods, and even playing games. This one day in history has become known as the Christmas Truce. It is a glimpse beyond the harsh realities of war and into the deeper parts of the human soul. It is a tiny window into Isaiah's vision of peace that we just heard. Why is it on that Christmas day with two groups of people who otherwise must kill each other, would lay down their arms and play. Some may think of Isaiah as out of touch with this vision of peace. But Isaiah did not speak this word that we heard read today in some far-off cozy retreat. He spoke this vision of peace in the midst of small little Israel who was surrounded by the most powerful empire of the day, the Assyrians. Isaiah has a vision, and that vision entails Jerusalem being raised up as the highest of mountains, higher than all the other mountains. The mountains of the other so-called gods who were believed to have lived on the high places. In reality, Jerusalem and Zion is not the highest mountain in Israel. It was just another hill. But the vision of it being the highest is a vision of it standing out above the rest. And that that has something to do with peace. You know, on the top of mountains, there are no shadows. There are no hiding places. The valleys have shadows and places to hide. And while God does not neglect people in the valleys and in the shadows, God resides on the highest of mountains out there for everybody to see. People from many nations, according to this vision, will know where to go. It will stand out among the rest visible for all. This prophecy of Isaiah, this vision is ultimately a metaphor for us today. People will come and they will beat their swords 
which are instruments of war and violence, into plowshares, which are instruments of cultivation. They will beat their spears, instruments to attack someone, into pruning hooks where they can prune vines and trees, again, to cultivate the things that bring life. The question is, in a world where war happens and in a world where people fight about a million different things, whether with arms or on our social media accounts, why in the world will they do that? According to this vision, they will do that because they will surrender to the Lord's judgment and the Lord's arbitration for them and on their behalf. The intent and the result of Isaiah's vision of people going to the mountain is one of reconciliation. Reconciliation between people, but even between nations. In fact, this very scripture about beating swords into plowshares is engraved on a wall in a park across from the United Nations headquarters. But we all know that words on a wall are not enough. They must be embodied among a people. We see today as Christians looking back through time that this scripture is actually already beginning to be fulfilled in Jesus himself. Reconciliation begins in the person of Jesus who gave his life on a cross. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. In himself on the cross, Jesus made room for reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God and reconciliation between us and one another. It's only fitting we focus on the cross as last week we looked at Jesus on a cross on Christ the King Sunday where the king is not just on a throne but he's lifted up on a cross. Furthermore, in this Isaiah vision, God's credibility is very high. This is not just one more God in a pluralistic society. This mountain is the highest of all mountains. This God is the one in charge. This is the one who decides rightly on matters. Because people believe in the righteousness of his judgments, they come to him for arbitration. They trust his decisions and they submit to his ruling. This, of course, only happens when God is recognized as the one in authority. We live in a world whereby everybody wants what you might call peace. At least most people do. But we all have different definitions of what peace is. Peace only happens to the degree that we live under the same authority. Peace is not liberation from authority. Peace is finding your place under the right authority. To have the peace of Christ among us and in our relationships today, we must first surrender our lives to Christ. 
We must let him be not just one more moral teacher in the midst of many good moral teachers in human history. People are not streaming to the mountain here saying, well, what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me. No, they're saying, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Let us go to a mountain that is outside of ourselves, something that's a little more objective. They are saying, may the God of Jacob teach us his ways and may we walk in his paths. Authority. Until we understand this authority, we will never find the peace of Christ. And so we must come to places in our life where we allow Jesus to be our authority, our Lord, and our Savior. These places of peace cannot be attained without a willingness to bow down, to submit. When people are not willing to submit to the authority of Christ, then their peace is conditioned by human definitions of peace. Such peace will never last. Over time, it will always degenerate into self-interest. Isaiah's vision, of course, is not one in which people are forced to come. Notice how people are drawn to the mountain. They go by their own volition. This makes sense. You can never really convert somebody by force. You cannot beat or scare faith into anybody. War, of course, may be a means to stopping an evil, or it may be a means to take over something. But war, even if it seems just and even if it seems necessary, is not the primary, nor is it the deepest means by which God works in the world. There is a deeper force involved in God's kingdom work. If people are going to come to a saving faith in Jesus, then they will have to be drawn to Jesus, like Zacchaeus who climbed up that tree, or the blind man who yelled out, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. There's something about God, there's something about Jesus that that people almost feel or smell or sense, and they may not even be able to fully explain it, but they're drawn to him. What draws them? Well, ultimately, God himself draws them. Ultimately, there's something in the mystery of God that does that. But God often works through us human channels to do so. God's word goes out from Jerusalem, according to the passage. And as a result of that word, people respond. They will say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. When the Holy Spirit fell upon that Pentecost day, upon those people who had gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world, the Spirit of God rested upon the Jesus followers and they spoke in many languages. People who were gathered in Jerusalem that day became followers of Christ. And then they went out from Jerusalem. The Word of God embodied among followers of Christ And spread that word around the world. This prophet Zechariah, another prophet, holds forth kind of a similar vision. He says this. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come. 
Even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. As the people of God, who was then Jews and now followers of Christ, live in the world, God draws people to himself is embodied by those of us who try to embody the character of Christ in our lives. And it's because of this grand vision that Isaiah has, a vision that's bigger than all of us, a vision that we kind of have to fight through the weeds of the ways of the world to come to a place of seeing. It's because of this vision that Isaiah commands the very people of God to walk in the light of the Lord. And so, brothers and sisters, I simply ask you, can you see that mountain that Isaiah sees? Can you envision it? Can you see it through the wars of today? Whether it's a war going on in some other land, or maybe it's a war going on right in your own home. Can you see the mountain of peace? The mountain where God's reign is real. The mountain where people come together. The mountain where people look over at someone else and say, I'm going to go to that mountain. Why don't you come with me? Let us go together and let God settle our differences. That's the only way of peace. If Isaiah can see that mountain when the Assyrians are surrounding Jerusalem and Judea, then I hope we can see it today. But it's going to take faith to do so. So let us ask God to give us that faith. Let us ask God to give us a willingness to do our part in participating in the peace of Christ. And therefore, we are beckon to ask ourselves the question, who do I need to go to this mountain with? Sometimes spouses need to go together to God's mountain to lay down differences, to forgive one another, to let Him be the judge and the arbitrator. Sometimes friends, sometimes neighbors, sometimes parents or sons and daughters siblings, co-workers. To whom do you need to say, come, let us go to God's mountain. Let us surrender our swords and turn them into plowshares. What might that look like to be willing to lay down your sword? Maybe it means letting go of a grudge. Those grudges will just eat on us, won't they? Maybe it means being willing to forgive somebody. Maybe it means you feel like you need to go make sure you are right with someone else. Maybe you need to say, hey, have I, messed, have I offended you? Have I 
Have I sinned against you? Can we go to the mountain together? For sure it means a willingness to bow down and worship the crucified and the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We have one who is an arbitrator. He is a mediator. And he is also one who is in authority. That means we don't have to just make things right with each other on our own. But we have one common Lord and Savior to submit to. And as each person submits to that Lord and Savior, we will be made right with one another. The posture of repentance is the substance of Advent. It's really one of the great ways that we can make room for the coming of God. Is our willingness to repent, our willingness to be made right with our neighbor, our willingness to confess our own sins to God and to one another. All for the sake of Jesus who gave his life for all of us. When we realize what God has done for us in Christ, repentance becomes a lot easier. Can you see the mountain? Let's go there as God's people. Let's begin to walk in the light now, even while the nations continue to war. Let's be made right with God now. Let's do what we need to do to be made right with others now. Let's come under the authority of Christ now. On that Christmas day in 1914, somebody had to step out of the trench first. Imagine what that would have been like. What a courageous step. But when you envision this high and holy mountain, as Isaiah did, and with the hindsight that we have, of a mountain where the crucified and risen Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ dwells. Stepping out of our trenches is worth the risk. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are enthroned upon the mountain of God above all other mountains. We come here to remember and recognize your authority. We come to bow down before you and to worship you. Lord, would you give us grace to step out of our trenches? Would you give us grace to pursue the mountain? to be among those who stream toward it. Show us, O Lord, a vision. A vision that is deeper than war. A vision that is deeper than all the political stuff we see on TV and on our social media feeds. A vision that transcends all things but Christ himself. Lord, let us not settle for the peace of the world.
But let us never rest until we have the peace of Christ in our hearts and in our lives. It is to you we come today. Our Prince of Peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.